Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As I already mentioned, our sermon text this evening is Mark 14, 55 to 62. And since we just read that, we won't read it again, but we will refer back to certain passages as we talk about them. Black, white, good, bad, evil, righteous, right? We're taught to associate these colors in this way from the time we're little, we begin making watching movies and the black or the bad guy is black, the good guy is white, at least that's the way it used to be. I was actually kind of surprised when I was looking for examples how many even modern movies still give the evil guy, the bad guy, a black hat or a black hair or a headgear of some kind. But maybe I should really call these modern movies. They were what I grew up with. They're a little bit old now, but you can see a Jafar in there with the black hat and scarring, and they gave him with the black mane, uh, indicating his, his evilness. And the said that one was a little bit older. Call it racist like that. Anyway, lots of other examples I'm sure that uh, you could find, even in, in newer, more modern movies. The good guy with the wearing white wasn't quite uh, as prominent that I that's probably because uh, white means more than just the hero, right? White means good, pure. A lot of the heroes are, are not 100% good. There are still some examples. You got the horse there from uh, Tangle, right? It was Maximus, I think. And Aladdin was, was wearing white. The good guys wear the white hat, and the bad guys wear black. Not only literally, but often very of course, there are examples where the bad guy wears the white. There are examples where the, where the bad guy wears white physically, literally, but there are also examples where the bad guy wears the white metaphorically, insofar as he's pretending to be the good guy. There are movies where you think, oh, he's the good guy, and it turns out he was the evil guy, and you think that guy who looks evil, you think he's He's wearing the black, so to speak, but he actually turns out to, to be the hero. In the story of, of Jesus' crucifixion, there's lots of bad guys, you might call them. There's lots of, of villains, you might say. A good story is a villain, right? So which, which one are you going to pick? Judas, who betrayed Jesus Peter drew his sword and attacked uh, against uh, Jesus' will there, right? Oh, and then later, of course, denied him. Pilate, who sentenced Jesus to be condemned, the, the soldiers that mocked and jeered him, Herod, or, or the thieves on the Barabbas, or the thieves on the Brussels, there's plenty of characters that are not really such great examples that we might say, well, they're at least villainish, right? There's one. There's one in the account of Jesus' passion, of Jesus' crucifixion, that really stands out above all the others as the lead villain, as really being evil. And that's the man we're talking about today, Caiaphas. Caiaphas 
the high priest, Caiaphas, the hypocrite, and you notice he's wearing a white hat. That was true. That was commanded by God in Levitical laws. The, the high priest was supposed to wear white. Not only literally, but also metaphorically. He was supposed to be the good guy, leading the people of Israel, shepherding them, speaking for God. You know, most of the people that we mentioned before, uh, most of the people involved with uh, Jesus' death and crucifixion gave in to temptation, maybe, or had some character flaws, or made some bad calls in the moment, but later on uh, regretted it, or were drawn into temptation, and later most of the characters, we can, we can understand, even if we know that they were wrong, we can understand how Peter, in that courtyard, forgot and denied Jesus. And we can see ourselves pretty easily in the same position. We can understand, even if we know how wrong it was, we can understand Pilate giving in to the pressure, even though he knew that Jesus was innocent, and tried hard, but didn't really try hard enough uh, to give off. But we can understand that even if we know that it's wrong, these were flawed individuals, we might say. Sinful individuals. But Caiaphas? Caiaphas is something else in the name. Caiaphas didn't give in to a momentary temptation or, or a, a small last judgment. Caiaphas went into this with a plan. Premeditated, the fourth might say, he went into this with a plan. He set a goal of sinfulness before himself, and he was bound and determined to make sure that Jesus died, and nothing was going to get in his way. Not the truth, not Jesus' innocence, not the law, not even the fact that Jesus could raise people from the dead. Caiaphas was determined to put Jesus to death. And so he, he calls the Sanhedrin together without the, the proper amount of time. He legally, right, he was supposed to uh, announce the gathering and then give them so much time to gather, but he didn't do that. He called them together at night. Again, that was contrary to the law. It seems as though he purposely left certain members of the Sanhedrin out, didn't tell them they were meeting because he knew that they would oppose his plan, right? And he, he paid people, we talked about on Sunday, he paid people to, to lie in order to make sure this innocent man was condemned. And then he gave the judgment of death that we heard in our, in our reading, he gave the judgment of death. That same night, he was supposed to wait and have another appearing, another court appointment uh, before giving the judgment of death. There's supposed to be God's law making sure there was time there so that people could think things over before doing anything so drastic so final as condemning the end to death. Caiaphas was determined to go through with the evil that he had in his heart. And that's part of what makes him kind of the ultimate Villain, the, the ringleaders of the villain, uh, the ringleaders, the leader of the villains, and you might say. Jesus himself puts quite a lot of blame on Caiaphas. You remember when Jesus was talking to Pilate? 
And uh, he says to Pilate, therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. And the, the one there, that's singular, that's singular in the Greek as well. Who's that one he's talking about? Who's the one who delivered Jesus over to Pilate? It sure seems like he's talking about Caiaphas, isn't it? So Jesus himself points uh, to Caiaphas as kind of the ultimate villain of the account. Caiaphas' sin, his evilness, is all the greater, all the worse, because he was supposed to be the man in all. He was supposed to be the good guy. He was called as the high priest. He was supposed to be the one who went between God and men to bring the people the message of, of God's forgiveness, to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. He was supposed to be reading the scriptures and watching for the coming of the Messiah. When John the Baptist came proclaiming baptism in the wilderness, Caiaphas should have been at the front of the line as an example to the people and rejoicing in the forgiveness of sins that God had offered. But despite what he wore, despite the color of his hat, he didn't do such a very good job. And so it was not only the ultimate villain, it was also the ultimate hypocrite, wasn't he? You know, we read uh, later on in the text, just near the end of Jesus' trial, Caiaphas tore his clothing. We know why Caiaphas thought he was doing it, right? Caiaphas thought that he was showing, oh, what a great sin this is. Oh, I feel so terrible. Oh, look, oh, look what Jesus has done. Oh, this is such a bad thing that Jesus has done. He was putting on a show of piety, but we know that inwardly, Caiaphas was preaching this. Yes, I got it. Exactly what whatever Caiaphas was showing on the outside, this was exactly what Caiaphas wanted. And so the whole thing was just an act. The very definition of hypocrisy, pretending to be so upset at oh, this great thing that Jesus, this terrible thing that he, he claims Jesus said. But really, it's exactly what he wanted. And the truth, the truth about Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin is shown to us right just in the next verse of Mark 14, 65, in our reading tonight. What did they do immediately after this? They spat on him. They blindfolded him. They beat him. They said they prophesied. They mocked him and struck him with the palms of their hands. You see, the, the truth who, of who Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin really were here, don't we? Up to now, they at least had that veneer of authority, that veneer of legality, even though it wasn't. But now the whole thing breaks down, and they, they charge at him like demons, like dogs, attacking him. Their hatred, their anger is very, very visible at this point in verse 65. The masks come off. So the question is, how did Caiaphas end up here? The high priest. The one who was supposed to be leading God's people. How did he turn into the villain? It'd be pretty easy for us to simply sit back and say, well, he was evil. Kind of the way we 
view Jabbar and Maleficent and Scar, right? They're the villain, they're evil, that's what they do. It'd be easy for us to, to think of Caiaphas in the same way and thereby distance ourselves from him. He's the villain, he's evil, and we're not like that, he's over there. It's easy and it's comforting, but it's not the truth. I'm sure Caiaphas was a, a little boy running around playing soccer, baseball, or whatever Hebrew kid playing in the, in the schoolyard with his fellow kids at some point. Caiaphas yeah, may have had a time he was in love and getting married, and his wife loved him. Maybe his wife still loved him. I don't really told about his wife. Probably he did have a wife. Most of the Hebrew priests did. He was a, he was a person. My God. And when he first became a priest, it's very possible. He took it very seriously. He really wanted to do a good job. He really studied God's word. He really took those vows seriously and, and wanted to be a good priest. And yet, how did he end up? So We could go through the New Testament and point to a couple different things. A couple different things. There's the political pressure, right? There's the, the greed for power and money, which is inherent in a position like Caiaphas's that probably contributed to it as well. There was the, the many, many years of misunderstanding God's word to the point where when Jesus actually came, they didn't even recognize the Messiah. Lots of, lots of different factors that probably contributed a little bit at the heart of it. Let Caiaphas to this. I think we can summarize in two words anger and pride. Anger and pride. Those two things, especially when they're together, just feed off each other and destroy us and eat us away from the inside. You know, I said when they're together, but they're, they're always together, right? You can't have one without the other. You, you can't be angry without without pride, and pride always leads to anger, because anytime we're angry at somebody, at the heart of it, we're saying, I don't deserve this. I, what they're doing is wrong. I'm right, they're wrong. There's always, always pride at the heart of anything. And the two feed back and forth. Well, let's understand. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about cranky. Right? Sometimes we, we don't get to sleep, we're a little cranky, or, or we're a little short-tempered. And that's, you know, we should learn to control our evolution, we should learn to, maybe to not be so cranky when we don't have some sleep. But that's not what we're, what we're really talking about here when we talk about anger. We're not talking about short bursts that you immediately regret and apologize for. We're talking about resentment. We're talking about the thing that sits in your heart. Years and years later, you brood over what this or that person did to me back then. It just sits in rows, this black mass of sin, eating away at a person from, from inside, taking us into the mat. Yeah, this is not a, a demon who pretends we're right, right, right. He was a man like us. To allow anger, resentment, and pride to eat away inside him. 
So finally, there's only a veneer of white left. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. Remember, he had this tore his garment. And he thought he was showing such a, a display of piety. But really, really what was happening was that sin that had already consumed everything on the inside was finally bursting forth. The last veneer of white was torn away. This and send you to attack Jesus. It's kind of like one of those movies with the alien growing inside of me and bursting out. I figured I'd better not put a picture of that up here tonight. I might, don't want my son to be classified R movie. I might be a little much for the kids. That's it. it's exactly the picture we have of this angry, resentful pride. How dare Jesus say, I'm how dare Jesus say, I have sinned? Remember what Jesus called the Jews? Whitewashed sepulchers. That same idea, that, that white veneer, that hypocritical white veneer, but inside death and sin and decay. When we think about Caiaphas as the villain, as the evil guy, when we think of him in that two-dimensional way, it's easy to distance ourselves from him, but when we, we look at the truth of what brought him to these actions, you see those same seeds inside of us. So the same seeds of anger and pride that can so easily grow and consume and destroy. All of a sudden, it is that far off from what we see in our old hearts. Pride and anger. Eating off one another, growing together. That's what led Cain to kill Abel, isn't it? It's what led Joseph's, Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. It's what led King Saul to hunt David down like a, like a dog. And it's what made Hitler the monster that we know him as today. That pride and anger and resentment, but it's not taken care of. It's not repented of. We don't allow God's word and God's law and God's forgiveness to shine on that darkness within us and expose it and forget it. destroys us. And yet, however much of a, a monster, Caiaphas or Cain or Saul or any of the others were, they're still men. They're still sinners when Jesus came. Our much that anger had eaten away inside of them, they weren't beyond Jesus' forgiveness. They weren't beyond his help. And they're standing right in front of him. What's the solution? He is the balm, the blood of Christ, which wipes away that darkness. It doesn't just cover us with simply a veneer, just a white hat, right? It washes away that darkness white inside and out. That same blood of Christ is there for us as well. Right before us this evening, as it was right before Caiaphas, to cleanse our souls, to wash away that anger. Hopefully, before we ever get to the, the point Caiaphas was at, that even if we do find ourselves that far gone, that blood of Christ is, is still there. 
it calls us to, to recognize the truth of our anger. That anger is usually a response to someone else's sin, right? This kind of anger. Or at least the perception of somebody else's sin. They did this to me. The truth, though, is that no matter what they did, that anger is my sin. That pride is my sin. And we need the blood of Jesus to wash us clean, as it does every day for us. We need that blood of Jesus to wash us regularly, daily, because you know, anger, like so many other sins, like the weeds in my garden, has a tendency to creep back up. We don't live in Christ repentance and, and turn to Him in confession. And so we pray tonight and we, as we pray every day, cleanse us from our secret faults, Lord. Wash away our anger. Teach us humility. That anger makes us the worst kind of villain. Worst kind of way. But the blood of Christ gives us the white robes inside and out in righteousness so that we can stand pure and holy before God on that final day. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding.